We are starting a new series today. Uh, We're going to be spending the next six weeks looking at the promises of God. In January, we get this message of new year, new you. There's this this constant cycle of of starting over and, and trying to get back onto the right exercise plan or back into the right diet or, or whatever lifestyle things that need to change. January seems to be the time where we, we try to start and uh, many of us are already um, not fulfilling our New Year's resolutions, right? We're only a couple weeks in and, and, and have already slipped from trying to have that new you this new year, right? We make the best efforts of resolutions, we make the best efforts of changes, uh, but we often fall short to our best efforts. We often fall short to the things that we said that we would do. We try to enter in new activities, new disciplines, new goals, and sometimes we have self-control and consistency, and we we celebrate those things, Uh, but oftentimes we get to just a few weeks, maybe you get to a few months and realize... Those habits have not truly been formed. But not so with the promises of God. That with the promises of God, we can trust that what he says he will do, he will do. There's no slipping into bad habits for God. There's no failing resolutions for God. When a resolution is made, that resolution stays. The promises of God are always held true. They're not held to a calendar. They're not held to a latest fad. Second Peter 1 4 says God has has given us very great and precious promises. They're not little promises. They're not unimportant promises. These are very great and they are precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature that through these promises of God, we can participate in what God is doing toward the end of Acts as we were going through last year. We see in Paul's ministry, he's standing trial in front of King Agrippa. And he says, and now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. He doesn't talk about what he has or has not done. He does not talk about his qualifications. He doesn't talk about who he is as a defense against what he's being accused of. His only defense is, I stand on the promises of God. That I trust in the promises of God. That what he said is true. And because of that, because of his belief in the promises of God, that is why he is in trouble with the religious authorities. And he's in good company. We see throughout Scripture these heroes of faith standing on the promises of God, trusting on his promises. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob believed in the promises of God. From Noah to Mary, from Isaiah to Peter, we have trust in God doing what God says he is going to do. The Bible's full of heroes from all walks of life. We've got, we've got rulers, we've got servants, we've got teachers and doctors and, and fishermen and merchants. There are, are male and female, single and married, and they all built their lives on the promises of God. They trusted God's 
promises. From the very beginning of the Bible, in the first chapter, we see this case being built for the dependability of God. Nine times in the first chapter, it says, God said. God said something. God spoke, and something happens. God's word comes true. What God says happens. I love the way Max Lucado says it. When God cleared his throat, thank you for the demonstration over here with the clearing of throat. When God cleared his throat, the cosmos appeared. His authority was certain. When God cleared his throat, the cosmos appeared. When God speaks, something happens. When God promises, he fulfills those promises. He can be trusted. His promises hold true and they are irrevocable. James 1.17 tells us that, that God never changes. In Hebrews 10.23, he is always trusted. In Romans 4.21, he is always strong enough to deliver on his promises. In Hebrews 6.18, it is impossible for God to lie. Can we trust God's promises? Can we believe that he speaks and he will fulfill what he speaks about? And so the question isn't really for us if God keeps his promises, but will we build our lives on his promises? Will we really trust that God will do what he said he will do? Instead of focusing our, our energy and attention on, on making promises to ourselves, let's spend more of our time appreciating and building on God's promises, God's unbreakable promises. Those New Year's resolutions don't hold anything to what God can do. There was a student of scripture that, that went through the Bible and, and tried to count up the promises of God. And they came up with 7,487 promises in scripture. Promises given to us. Promises made by God. And so we're going to spend the next 7,481 weeks going... No. We're not going to get to all 7,487. We're going to focus on six. We're going to focus on six. And I'm sure there are promises that you rest on, that you hold on, that we won't be able to get to. And you wonder, why didn't we talk about that one? But we're just going to focus on six for the next few weeks. And so today we talk about God's promise of new life. God promises us new life. Water is something that is so valuable to us, right? It's, it's, it's valuable to the planet, to everything that is living. All living things need water. We've got fish and animals and plants and humans. They all need water to survive. And in, in, in a similar way, the promise of, of new life for us provides for us this living water, this hydration that is so important to us. It nourishes our souls, and it never runs dry. Scripture is full of these images of water. The Bible begins in Genesis with this image of water, water covering the face of the earth. 
And it ends in Revelation with this vision of a river flowing from the throne of God. In Exodus, Moses is floating down a river as a baby. And later he divides, God divides the water for the Israelites to pass through the Red Sea. And after 40 years of wandering around in the desert, lack of water. After 40 years, they get to the Jordan and Joshua leads the people across the Jordan River on dry ground to the promised land. Jesus and his disciples spent a lot of time around water, many of them even fishermen. Jesus walked on it. He calmed it. He talked to a Samaritan woman about the living water that would never run out. Jesus heals a blind man with with mud on his eyes and, and tells him to go wash in a pool to complete the miracle. And of course, Jesus went to the banks of the Jordan River and went down into the water and was baptized. And so let's take a look at Matthew chapter 3, the story of Jesus' baptism. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. So John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son. Whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And so we see here Matthew's account of of Jesus' baptism, and it really gives us this picture of of what to expect of all of Jesus' ministry throughout the rest of Matthew's gospel. It gives us this this description of baptism. We see how how Jesus' identity is revealed in this moment. We see how his purposes are, are connected with the larger story of Scripture. We see how, how Jesus comes as Emmanuel, God with us, this incarnation of God. We see this revelation of, of who Jesus is, and we see very clearly this activity of the Spirit, that the Spirit is at work with Jesus. And so this story gives us this picture where, where Jesus is connected to John the Baptist. John, who is, is told, we're described as a prophet. It connects Jesus to this larger prophetic story of Scripture. That the story of Jesus is not new and removed from what God has been doing for ages before. That what God is doing through Jesus is very much a part of the larger story. Jesus fits in as a part of this, not something is separate from it, something, is, something that's different. Jesus is a part of what God has been doing from the very beginning. Jesus was with God from the very beginning. It's a continuation. 
And when we see the baptism of Jesus, we see that it's a continuation of this, but we also see in it this incarnation. We, we use this word incarnation usually around the time of Christmas because we talk about the birth of Jesus being the incarnation, that God is with us. God is a part of us <coughs> because of the birth of Jesus. Sorry, hold on one second. I have this cough that has just lingered way too long. We see in Jesus, in this moment, in this story, Jesus being one of us. This solidarity with humankind. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He didn't need to repent of anything. Jesus walks to the shores of the Jordan and sees John the Baptist being sinless. Yet he walks into the water and has this moment of repentance, this moment that is so human and not divine. And so Jesus joins with us in this. He participates in baptism and, and acts in solidarity with us. The same way Jesus' birth expresses God's, God with us, the baptism of Jesus expresses that God is with us. And of course, after Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water and we have this picture of, of the heavens opening up and Jesus' true identity is revealed. That this baptism is different than all the other baptisms that John has done before. Because something is happening here. Jesus' identity is revealed. This is my son. This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And so there is this public declaration of who Jesus is. And of course, simultaneous to this, this revelation of identity is this act of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit. The, the Spirit descends upon Jesus, and Jesus is anointed by the Spirit, joining him in the activity of the Spirit. So all of this is seen in this beautiful moment where Jesus goes down into the water and comes back up. Jesus is connected with the larger story of God. He joins with our human condition as the Son of God. He joins with the work of the Spirit in carrying out the mission of God. And so it's in this baptism of Jesus that, that we see what is expected of Jesus' disciples, of Jesus' followers. That the same thing that we see in Jesus' baptism is the same thing that we can see in our baptism. Through the water of baptism, we are promised a new life. There is new life. There is death to an old life and a new life comes by the power of the Spirit. Baptism calls us and it equips us to participate more fully in the full story of God. We are a part of more than just our story. We are a part of a larger story of God. Through our baptism, we, we join with Christ in his death and burial. We gain a new identity as children of God, and we join with the work of the Spirit in this newfound mission, this new purpose. God's voice from heaven closes this story with this statement of Jesus, that he is well pleased 
He's well pleased with Jesus. He takes pleasure in. He, he thinks well of. He, he judges favorably. God is well pleased with Jesus because Jesus is seeking to please the Father. Jesus is seeking to please God. We see a, a difference in, in pleasing and love. That he's pleased with what he does. We think about our children, right? And when, when they misbehave in some way, we are not pleased with what they have done. It doesn't change our love for them, but we're not happy. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, there are moments where, where our children just do something incredible. And we are so pleased with what they do. It doesn't make us love them more or less. And so God is pleased with what Jesus is doing. In in the promise of a new life, we seek to do what is pleasing with God. We don't do things to receive the new life. We don't do these things to earn what it is, earn this new life, earn God's love but we seek to do what's pleasing to God. We humbly commit ourselves to to pursuing what is righteous. We pursue what is just according to God's purposes because the new life gives us a new mission. It gives us a new identity. We don't live this new life to, to manipulate God. We don't behave in different ways to earn our salvation. We don't show up to church and do good things so that God will like us. But we seek to please God because he has given us this gift, this promise of new life. We follow Jesus. We learn from his attitudes, his attributes, his actions. We, we start with Jesus's faithful obedience that he demonstrates in his baptism. We start with that, and, and he continues to show his attitudes and attributes and actions throughout his ministry, his crucifixion, his death, his resurrection. We follow the example of Jesus. And so today, we, we continue on We continue to use the waters of baptism as this sign of death to our old life. This this sign of something is, is gone and a resurrection into a new life in Christ. We we celebrate the grace that God has given us. The grace of God is as we are born anew, coming out of that water. We are born anew. We receive forgiveness. In in baptism, we we remember that we are children of God. We remember that we have this new identity. We remember that we are transformed by the work of the Spirit to love God and to love others in ways we have never could have in our old life. This is the new life that we have been promised. It's not a new life that is off somewhere else. It is a new life here as we live lives of of discipleship. We live into our baptism by by being disciples, by loving God, by loving others. And, And when we live out our faith in this way, when we live out faithfully and obediently to God, the waters of baptism will flow out of us and radiate from us to bless the world around us, to bless those that are in contact with us, to bless our neighbors, to bless our friends. 
This is the good news that we have received. And we radiate that good news to others as we live faithfully into this promised new life. And fortunately, there is an infinite supply of this water. There's not an infinite supply of water here, so I'm going to get this water bottle. (laughs) Thank you. There is this infinite supply of water. That the living water that is, is given to us, that is within us, that fills us, it is not in short supply. Jesus told the woman at the well that, that those who drink of this water will never be thirsty again. Never be thirsty again. With him we have all within with him we have within us this this source of living water. We we know the forgiveness of God that makes us clean, this promise of new life. And so so our baptism is is more than just saved or not saved. It's it's more than just a ticket to heaven when we die. There is there is more to this. This new life is different. The old life is gone. To death with the old life. This is a new life. Before the Spirit of God moved on, on the face of the waters, at the time of creation, there was darkness. This darkness lead, needed light. And when you go deep beneath the surface of the ocean, it is dark. You can't breathe under there. It presses in around you and it suffocates you. And so our baptism is not this literal drowning. But when you go under, you can't breathe anymore. We need to breathe. We're dependent on breathing. When, when we inhale, we need the oxygen to, to give life to our cells, to give life to our body. Breathing keeps us alive. And so when we repent, when we're baptized, we, we agree to go to a place where we can't breathe. We, we go to a place into the depths where it is dark and where it is eerie. It is a place of dying. We go to a place of death so that when we come up, we're brought into this new life, this new breath, this new water that fills us. A death occurs, this death to self, and the life that we are lifted into is not the same. Everything has changed. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so as we are in this time of of turning a calendar, this idea of of making resolutions, or or whatever ritual you go through in the first of the year, as you, you look to making 2019 different than the year behind it. We are inundated with with these messages. We have this bombardment of messages to to remake ourselves, to resolve to improve ourselves. 
but there's nothing that we can do ourselves. There's nothing that we can do ourselves to make us into what God has designed for us to be. It is only found through the work of the Spirit in us. God's promises are given to us. God's promises never fail. And he promises us that there is new life for those who trust in him, who are led by him, who surrender self, die to self, die to to whatever resolution it is that I think I need to have for 2019. He gives us this life as this incredible gift of grace. And so for, I I think for most of us, we have experienced this baptism. We've experienced this this decision of, of dying to self and being raised into this promise of new life. But some of us haven't, haven't embraced that yet. And so we fixed the baptistry this last week, and it's got a new pump. <laughs> and Bill cleaned it last week. It's usable, and it's not freezing cold. For those of you who missed the baptism a few weeks ago, it was a bit chilly because the pump broke. That's what that is all about. But for those, those of you who, who have yet to make that commitment, let's make that commitment together today. This is this old life, this, this me trying to do it myself, doing it my own way, this is not working anymore. I can't keep my own promises I need the promises of God. I need this new life with God. Let's be standing together. These promises that God gives us, these promises that we're going to be going through over the next few weeks, are so fundamental and almost commonplace for us if we've been around the church for a while. But we need to be reminded of these. We get in our our ruts, we get in our day-to-day life, and we forget that God is holding these promises true. And we need to stop standing on our own footing, stop resting on our own security, stop depending on our own capabilities. And we need to stand on what God promises us. That is the only thing that's going to stand true. We're going to have shepherds down front. Uh, You can come and pray with one of us. You can pray with uh, one of uh, the small group leaders or or friends, family. This is a time to encourage one another in prayer. And if this is a day that you want to make a commitment, we want to make that commitment with you today, come and talk to us down front. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for the promises that you give us, promises that never fail. God, will we rest on those? Will we we stand on those knowing that, that you will do what you said you would do? Even when it looks like everything is being turned over around us, God, we put our hope and our trust in you that you will be true to your word.
God, we thank you for the gift of new life, the promise of new life. And may we find our security and our peace in that alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray.